Well, many thanks to Mike for that children's sermon today, and indeed we, we are talking about listening, listening for God. Uh, with today's sermon, we are coming to the end of our sermon series on Hebrews 11. Uh, we hope, Mike and Derek and I, we all hope that you have been edified by this sermon series, uh, by learning about this, this veritable who's who uh, in, uh, from the Old Testament, right? As we've talked about these characters each week, we've talked about how, how flawed they are, but yet, yet how God used them in God's plan of salvation. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the very last person who's mentioned in Hebrews 11, and that is the prophet Samuel. Uh, But before we hear the passage, let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for this time in church today. We thank you for the chance to sing your praises, Lord, with these wonderful hymns, uh, to talk with the children, and now to listen for your word. Please open us up, Lord. Please speak to us, for we, your people, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Samuel, right? Who is Samuel in Scripture? Well, Samuel is a a very, very great and famous prophet. Uh, He was there with God's people in the very, very early, early, early days of the nation of Israel. His story is found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Samuel's parents were Hannah and Elkanah, and for a time, Hannah, his mom, could not bear children. And so she prayed and prayed to the Lord uh, for a child, and she made a little deal with the Lord. She said, Lord, if you give me a child, especially a male child, I will then offer him to you and take him to the temple so that he will serve you all of his days. And so God was very faithful to Hannah And God gave her a baby boy, and so she took him, uh, once he was weaned, the scripture says, she took him to uh, the temple and gave him there to serve. And that boy, of course, was Samuel. Uh, So our story picks up today when Samuel was about 12 years old, we think. He was living in the temple, serving in the temple, along with Eli, who was a priest. He was a mentor to Samuel. And then one night after the two had gone to bed, Samuel has this very, very strange experience in the middle of the night. Uh, We hear this in 1 Samuel. I'll be reading from chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. 
But Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray one more time. Gracious God, we turn to you again in prayer after hearing this amazing story from the life of the prophet Samuel. Lord, help us to be close to your word today. Help us to hear you speaking to us through this story, Lord, and how we can be better servants of you and your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, one of the reasons I think that I fit in so well uh, at this church is that this church is very similar to the church in which I grew up, both wonderful churches. Uh, My church had wonderful people in it, wonderful families in it, wonderful activities going on, and a wonderful caring staff. When I was a a young child, uh, elementary school age, the head pastor of my church uh, was a man named Dr. Richard Cromie. Now, I'm sure there's some people, especially in the choir, yeah, Jan, Jan remembers him, especially in the choir, some people who remember Dr. Cromie. He was quite a presence here in Pittsburgh. He was sort of, sort of larger than life, if you will. He was a big man. He was Scotch-Irish. He had the ruddy cheeks and the red hair, and he was a really excellent preacher. Uh, unfortunately, I was too young to really appreciate his preaching. And so uh, I remember something about his preaching that was not wonderful exegesis or brilliant oratory skills. Uh, What I remember about his preaching is that when my mother would would make me uh, sit there through the 11 o'clock service, right, make me, that's what I thought as a child, right, I would be sitting there and Dr. Cromie would get up into the pulpit and he would start preaching and preaching and preaching. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, He would stop, sometimes even mid-sentence, he would stop, and he would lean down into the mic, because, you know, he just had one of those, you know, the pulpit mics like this. He didn't have the mic that I had, it was a pulpit mic. And he would lean down into the mic as close as you could possibly get to that mic, and in his big, booming, masculine voice, he would say, are you listening? Are you listening? Right? And so me, as a, you know, maybe a 10-year-old kid or so, sitting there in the pew, it would always scare the bejeebers out of me when he did this, right? And I always felt like he was speaking directly to me because Dr. Cromie knew that I wasn't listening, 
right? He knew I wasn't. He knew I was thinking about that peanut butter sandwich that I was going to have as soon as the worship service was over, right? Or I was thinking about how I was going to grab my bike and ride on over to my friend's house that afternoon. I was not listening. And he knew it. And every time he said it, it felt like he knew it. I was not listening. And when Dr. Cromie left my church, he went down to Florida uh, a couple after the 9 o'clock told, service told me he went to the Plantation, Florida area, which I believe is true, uh, and, and he served a church there, and he had his own radio show in Florida. And it, I think you can all guess what the name was, right? The name of his radio show was Are You Listening? with Reverend Dr. Richard M. Cromie, right? Are You Listening? And so when I read this story about Samuel hearing this voice of God in the middle of the night, I can't help but supplant Dr. Cromie's voice into this passage, right? Samuel, are you listening? Are you listening? And I sympathize with Samuel, this little boy who was just trying to go to sleep and was jarred out of his senses by this big, booming voice, right? Running to Eli, what is happening? I'm not really listening, right? I can relate to him quite a lot. See, Samuel was born in tumultuous times in our scriptures. The book of Judges tells us this. Judges is right before, comes before 1 Samuel. Book of Judges tells us, in those days there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. Yikes. You know, sounds like sort of a moral free-for-all. And so God's people at this time were really, they were really calling for a king, right? This was bubbling up amongst God's people. We need a king to unite us, to lead us, to, you know, give us some kind of moral laws. And so God, before we could have that king, God needed to raise up a prophet, a prophet who would anoint the next king, a prophet who would speak God's word to this king, right, to keep the king on the straight and narrow. And so we have the story of Samuel. Samuel's journey as a prophet begins the night that he hears God's voice calling to him and is confused about who it is. The story goes that Samuel and Eli, they're going to bed this night in the temple. Samuel sleeps over in the temple itself. Eli sleeps in his room. When all of a sudden, as Samuel is is bedding down for the night, he hears this voice calling to him, this Dr. Cromie sort of voice, right? Samuel, Samuel. Samuel jumps up, runs into Eli and says, here I am, I'm here, I'm here, you're calling me, I'm here, what do you want me to do? And Eli says, no, he says, no, Samuel, it's not me calling you, go back to bed. And so this whole process repeats itself three times with the Samuel, Samuel, running over, no, it's not me calling you, go back to bed. Until finally, finally, after the third time, wise old Eli realizes that it is God calling to Samuel. And he tells Samuel to go back to bed, and if he hears that voice again, to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so begins one of the greatest prophetic ministries in our scriptures. 
Samuel became this amazing prophet who did anoint the first king of Israel, Saul, right, who, who listened to his own heart, right, and not God. And then, secondly, David, right? Samuel anoints King David, the greatest of all of the kings of Israel. And so Samuel is listed in Hebrews 11 as being this amazing prophet who anointed and advised kings, right? That's one of the reasons he's there. But, you know, we, as we look to Samuel's story for guidance, we well, we're never going to anoint kings, right? We're not going to be asked to go anoint a king. But we still, nevertheless, can gain some direction from Samuel, especially from this story that I read this morning. We can gain some direction for our lives about listening to God. The first thing, the first thing that jumps out at us from this passage is that listening to God is not easy, okay? It's not an easy thing to do. For Samuel, the, the whole atmosphere, the whole atmosphere uh, at, during which he receives his first call uh, is not a good one, okay? Not a good atmosphere going on in God's people. Scripture says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. So it tells us that there were not a whole lot of people who were hearing God's word, right? So who, who is Samuel going to have to look up to? Well, that sounds quite a bit like our times, doesn't it? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't see a whole lot of people walking around who I say, yes, that person is a genuine prophet. That person is genuinely hearing God's word and saying it to God's people. For us in modern times, people that do claim to do that, well, they're also, you know, selling us some snake oil on the side. And of course, the number, the number of unchurched folks in our society is, is growing by the day, right? All these Pew Research Studies and Barna Research people, right? They tell us this all the time. The number of people who are, who are sitting at home and who are not, not being steeped in God's Word, growing, 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 right? So God's Word is rare in these days as it was in Samuel's day. We can relate. I mean, the idea that, well, God might speak today well, some of us may even think that's kind of a farcical notion. I mean, let's face it. We all have a lot of distractions in the modern era, do we not? I mean, most people, no, no offense to Mike, but most people do walk around all day with those little pods in their ears, right? And all of us, so many of us, we have a television on in every single room of our house, we have kids crying and wives nagging and bosses demanding and car horns honking. How in the world, how in the world is anybody supposed to hear, hear God's still, small voice calling to us? But Samuel is here to remind us that God does call. And a lot of the times it's in the quietest moments of our day or night, right? In that still, small voice in the dead of night, God does call. God called to Samuel, and God calls to you and me. 
Which brings us to the second point about listening for God. When Samuel hears that strange voice calling out to him in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel mistakes the source. Do you remember that? He thinks that it's Eli calling him, not God. But the key to Samuel figuring out that it is indeed God calling him is when Eli points it out. His friend, his mentor, he points it out. Eli, who has known Samuel since he was first brought to the temple. Eli, who is a mentor to him, a father figure to him. Eli, who has Samuel's best intentions at heart. It is his mentor who helps him figure out God's call, right? It's not Eli. It's not indigestion. It's God, right? It's God calling to him. Now think about that for a moment in the context of our church. How? How do we make big decisions as Presbyterians? Well, last week we had our annual meeting and we presented our budget, right? I mean, it's a big budget. It's over a million dollars for a church of our size. So when we were preparing that budget, did, did Pastor Derek, did he go down the hall into his office and shut his door and on his computer and bing, here it is, here's the budget? No. Derek will tell you he spent scads of hours meeting with staff, meeting with committees, meeting with the session, praying about this, communally thinking about this and discussing our priorities as they go into our budget. Right, that's communal listening, listening for God's direction with, with our money. That's how we work as Presbyterians. That's also, that's also how we ordain people for the ministry. When somebody has that little feeling in their heart and says, uh, you know, I, I think I feel God calling me to ministry, uh, ordain ministry, I think I feel it. Well, do we allow that person to just come and start knocking on the door of our church? Here I am. Hire me. Put me in your pulpit. No, no, we do not. We just watched Mike go through that whole process. When Mike felt that call in his heart that, well, maybe I should get ordained. Maybe I should go into ordained ministry in the church. You all helped him. You helped him to listen for God. And Mike tells me that not only did some of you say, yes, Mike, I hear God calling, but some of you were very insistent about it. <laughs> very insistent. Mike, I hear that call on your life. You need to follow that call, right? That's how we do it. That's how we ordain people. We, we don't put people in the pulpit or in your homes until they've gone through a lengthy process of listening. That involves the session and then the presbytery as a whole, right? That's how we do it. We listen in community. So I'm going to give you one more example, one more example today before I sit down. One more example of, of communal listening. Uh, this is a story from my life, and I'm going to tell you the story, okay? It happened to me. You can take it or leave it as you choose. I think some of you will choose to believe it and take it, and some of you may be skeptical. 
You can take it or leave it as you choose. So the story begins a couple churches ago for me as I was applying uh, at another church, a church in a different presbytery. And when I showed up on the grounds of that church, I walked into the lobby area, and I felt the unmistakable tap, tap, tap on my shoulder that God wanted me to serve there. Okay, it was very clear to me. And thankfully, the people of that church felt the same thing, right? So they hired me, brought me into that church, and I began to serve. And so we got to the time when I was having my installation service, right? You all know that, what that is. You've seen installation services. So I was having my installation service. I was up on the chancel area of the church, and I was kneeling. It was time for the prayer, right? And they asked me to kneel, so I knelt. The pastor in charge called up all of the elders and deacons who were sitting there to come up to do the laying on of hands, just like we did last week. Remember we did that last week with our our officers here, right? Come forward for the laying on of hands. So they were laying their hands on me. So there was this one lovely church member. Her name was Shirley. And she came up to me. She put her hand right on my head. And Shirley was from a Pentecostal background, unabashedly Pentecostal. So she put her hand on my head and she put her other arm up in the sky like this, right? Now, of course, most Pentecostals are like this, right? But because we were doing laying on of hands, right, one hand down on me, the other hand up to the heavens, right? That's how Shirley was on me. And so the pastor began praying, and it was just this beautiful prayer. You know, Holy Spirit, anoint Emily as our pastor. Help us to work with her. Help us to serve together, etc., etc. Beautiful prayer. So in the middle of this prayer, I started to feel this very strange warming sensation come over me. I felt it in my head, then it moved down into my body and all the way down into my feet. It was very warm unusually warm, and I also felt this sort of electric sensation, sort of a prickly sensation, like when you walk up something and you get that, you know, that static electricity, but like a million times over, right, this warm and sort of prickly sensation all the way down my body. I became very emotional in the moment, right, the prayer, the sensation, everything. So the prayer concluded and the service was over and everybody went home, and I told no one about that experience, okay? Zero. I did not tell my husband. I did not tell my children. I told no one. So about a week went by, and I'm sitting there at the church in my desk, and who comes to the door of my office but Shirley? Shirley from the Pentecostal background, right? Shirley comes, and she stands in the door of my office, and she says, well, Emily, It's pretty clear the Holy Spirit wants you here serving at our church. I said, Shirley, what what do you mean by that? She said to me, come on, pastor. She said, don't you tell me that you didn't feel that. Don't you tell me that you didn't feel that warm, that prickly sensation go through your body. She said, I had my hand up in in the air. It went down my arm. It went through me. It went right into you. She said, don't you tell me you didn't feel that. That was the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was, I can't even tell you how shocked I was. I was so overcome, I couldn't even speak. And all I did in response to Shirley was I went, (laughs) and this big old tear just ran down my cheek, right? Shirley said, 
welcome to the church, <laughs> and walked off down the hall. Shirley was my Eli, right? She was my Eli. I experienced that, the presence of the Holy Spirit during my installation, but I wasn't sure what it was, right? I didn't know if it was some, you know, burrito that I ate the night before or what. But Shirley was my Eli. She made sure to direct me and to let me know that that was the power of the Holy Spirit making its presence known at my installation service, right? We all need that, right? That's collective listening. We all need that. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning, along with the prophet Samuel, that God still speaks to us in 2023. As incredible or farcical as it may seem, God still speaks. God spoke to his people in Scripture, and God speaks to us today. The example of Samuel and all of the prophets is to listen Right, to listen for God when he speaks. And then if you think you have that nugget, you think you have this, this push from the Holy Spirit, then go to someone who you trust, who knows you well, right, and see if they hear it too. That's the lesson that Samuel and Eli together teach us. It's amazing, right? Being a disciple of God can be an amazing ride sometimes for us, my friends. Let's join together on that ride. Praise be to God for guiding our lives, for speaking to us in so many amazing ways. Amen.